Hey, I'm Jordan, that's Lauren, and welcome to the His Film, Her Movie podcast. Why is podcasting better with alcohol? Um, I'm going to counteract that question is, why is podcasting better when... I can sit on the sofa <laughs> instead of an uncomfortable chair. Yes, we have a new kind of professional setup here, really. We say professional. I've got my feet up and I've got a cat. Right next up. to your feet, yeah. So it's not that more, not, not that but professional. But, but we've invested in some, what would we say, mic stands? Actually, why, why did you say what would we say? They are exactly <laughs> mic stands. I wasn't called the mic sticks, but there we go. Yes. Yeah, got some sticks. They're holding the microphones. I can sit on my sofa. For the past few podcasts, I've been sat on like... A kitchen table. A kitchen table chair. Yeah. Which is fine when you're eating your tea and you've maybe got people around and you're having a few drinks. But when your partner is sat on a really comfy sofa and you're sat on this wooden chair. Now you make me sound absolutely awful. Yeah, well, you are. Which is why I said, oh, why the girls that I listen to on this podcast, they get to sit on comfy chairs. Why can't I? And then I invested in a £5 mic stand, but there you go. I'm so spoiled. (laughs) But if this is your first episode, this is the His Film, Her Movie podcast. Yes. Where we take a subject or topic, both pick a film and then discuss it. And this one is a little bit close to our hearts, really. It is. Because why is it close to our hearts? Because it's like the proud to be Cumbrian. Yes. Yes. So we've both picked a film which has a Cumbrian connection. Yes, we do. Because um, just, just, just to put it out there, that's where we live. We live in Cumbria. We are from Cumbria. We are northern and proud. Anybody south of Cumbria is a southerner to me. Well, it's, it's a joke I always say is, for me, Cumbria is north. Manchester's Midlands. Oh God, yeah, it is. Birmingham's South. Yeah. And London's France. Yeah. So they did. We are literally three miles away from the border, though. So we are pretty, pretty northern. But yeah, so what? (laughs) what, Pretty (laughs) northern. You can't get more northern before you hit Scotland. Yes, the true north. (laughs) We are the true north. We are the Starks in the north. (laughs) So. What films have we chosen? I mean, what did you choose? I picked the absolute classic With Nail and I. Yes. And everybody be very proud to know I didn't do the drinking games along with it. It was a school night. It's very sensible. Yes. And I chose 1945 film by David Lean, Brief Encounter. Yes. Um, two very different movies. Yes. But... Well, it's not really a spoiler to say two very good movies. Yeah, definitely. I really like both um, of them. So, do we have any housekeeping to get through or anything like that? Or should, should we just get right at the podcast? Um, The only housekeeping I've really got is that before you carry on, you should pause. And then you should go to our Instagram page and follow us on Instagram because it's great. Yes. Um, because it um, keeps me busy at work when yes. it's very quiet. And how do they follow us? They have to go on Instagram. And they, have <laughs> to <laughs> sign up. they have to go. I think that's part of the part of parcel. To, yeah. And then you have to search for his film, 
Her Movie Podcast. And there you will find us. And we try and put up lots of little things. I found an absolute cache of uh, film... Memes, gifs. Trivia. Trivia. Yeah, things that like little facts and things I had no idea about. And um, I think that'll be really good. And then, of course... Um, by the time this comes out, it'll be less than a month to our wedding day. It will be. It Roll will be. on the invoices coming in. <laughs> this, so if you'd like this, to this give is us a time, some money. This, this is a time when I cry when it's not the wedding. <laughs> He's just going to cry and go, you spent how much on flowers? <laughs> we can't eat anything. We're going to have ramen for the next three weeks. <laughs> ramen will be good. It'll be beans on toast. And it'll be still toast at that. Hey, bread's expensive, okay? Ramen is cheaper than bread. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we might as well get into it. And I think yep. we're going to start with my choice, Brief Encounter. Yes. There's your train. Yes. You mustn't miss it. No. What's the matter? Nothing. Nothing at all, really. It's been so very nice. I've enjoyed my afternoon enormously. I'm so glad. So have I. I apologise for boring you with long medical words. I feel dull and stupid not to be able to understand more. Shall I see you again? It's the other platform, isn't it? You'll have to run. Don't bother about me. It might not do for a few minutes. Shall I see you again? Yes, of course. Perhaps you'll come out to catch with one Sunday. It's rather far, I know, but we should be delighted. Please. Please. What is it? Next Thursday. The same time. I couldn't possibly... Please. I ask you most humbly. You miss your train. All right. Run. Goodbye. I'll be there. Thank you, my dear. So, yeah, Brief Encounter, as I said, was a 1945 film directed by David Lean. It's his third... Well, David Lean's first three movies were collaborations with Noel Coward, were adaptation from Noel Coward plays. And this was the third, and I'll probably say the best of it. So what we have is we have Laura... Mm-hmm. who is a middle-aged woman who has a pretty easy life, um, pretty standard life, I would say, back in back in the day as it, when, it, when it's set. And she meets, whilst at a train station on her weekly trip, um, a doctor, uh, a married doctor. A dashing doctor. A dashing doctor. And out of the blue, they strike up a friendship and that friendship becomes a love affair. Mm-hmm. And what we have is Laura's confession, if you will, throughout the movie, to, well, a secret confession in her head to her husband about the love affair that she has with Alec, the doctor. Yeah. And it is, it sounds very, very simple, but it's done very, very effectively. Mm-hmm. And that that's sort of where I want to start is... This film is, I mean, not only is is it one of my favourites, and it's it's one of my favourite David Lee movies, and that's saying something because this is thirteen years before he made Bridge over the Bridge on the River Kwai, yeah, twenty years before he made Lawrence of Arabia, because after these sort of British movies, he started making the the sweeping epics that he's he's famous for mm-hmm. and some of these movies are considered the 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 best that has ever been i mean in a vote of the most romantic films ever i think the bfi did um or the bbc i can't remember this came out number one 
This did? Yes. Okay. And BFI also did the top 100 British movies. And this came number two and Lawrence Arabia came number three. <laughs> so David Lean what has kind um The Third Man. Carol reads The Third Man, which we will be watching okay. at some point because that is another great movie. I'm going to probably get like the 1000th worst British <laughs> film in, our, in that. <laughs> well, with Neil and I was, I think, probably in the top 20. So we've mm-hmm. got that as well. And we've got, yeah, it's, it's a wonderfully British movie, but yeah. it's so different in scope of what David Lean is known for. It's a very small, very delicate movie. Mm-hmm. And getting into what I like about it, okay, as I've said there, is I said, it's a very simple plot, yeah. but it's a very complex story in the sense that it doesn't really go to places where you don't think it's going. It doesn't really have twists, but the complexities of the relationships within that movie and between Alec and Laura is groundbreaking in a way, especially for the time, mm-hmm. because you've got a lot of taboos that it was dealing with and the fact that we're dealing with two Married? cheaters, adulterers, yeah. um, infidelity and things like that and doing that in the 40s. And yeah, it's... It was banned in Ireland. It was banned in Ireland. Because, I mean, one of the most complex things that it does is it shows these two um, lovers not as villains, not as charlatans, but as two grown adults knowing and understanding their feelings. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, that wasn't done because... So we have Laura, who's um, Celia Johnson, in one of, I would probably say, the great performances, she's so wonderful in this movie. Mm-hmm. She's got these really big eyes. Honestly, like, that's what just... Because she was very striking. She is. She's very striking, but she's not, like, traditionally beautiful. Mm-hmm. And like, But she's also got one of those qualities where I couldn't age her. Yeah, she could have been 20s or 40s. Yeah, she could have been anything in between. I could not age her, but her eyes all the way through were just huge and just, she looked amazing. Mm. Just wish she ate, like, a different hair. <laughs> but, it's, yeah, it's, it's the relationship between Alec and <clears throat> Laura that is the heart and soul of this movie. And it's, we sympathise with them mm-hmm. and we empathise with them and taking into consideration that these two are the cheaters of this situation it's not like we want them to get together because we sort of know that this is a cursed relationship to begin with Mm -hmm. but it's yeah it's such a complex ideal the fact that laura has what seems to be a nice life and not not a life that she doesn't like she likes her husband she loves the kids Mm -hmm. it's 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 the picture i mean i know normal rockwell is is an american a, a painter but it's sort of that, that normal rockwell yeah. life <clears throat> however why if she was happy why would she want to go into this relationship with with a strange man i'd see i don't think it was because she was happy or she was unhappy from now it, does, it doesn't go into this but from what i can assume they have been together for a long time her yes. and fred her husband um it was socially normal back then for you maybe to meet your partner in your teens. Yes. And then get married very young. I don't think it was the fact that she was in any way unsatisfied in a marriage or anything like that. I think it was just the fact that 
she hadn't lived. It was different. It was different. It was exciting. It was the chase. It was the danger. It was it was like when you're first courting again. Mm. And she hasn't had that. She's had for, for so long. I think she's basically just being like, this is exciting because it's like her, her, fam- her life was like, every Thursday I will go into town on the train. I will get my shopping. I will go have lunch and I will go to the cinema. That's all we knew that she did. She didn't seem to do anything else in it, her life. It's, it's a of, break in the routine. It's like the unpredictability of her predictable life. Because yes. even though she enjoyed her life, it was very timed and yeah. very proper where this was a little bit different and maybe just a bit more, yeah, exciting. But yeah, it's such a unique film like that. But... Talking about it narratively, we get an open scene with these two at a train station, which was shot in Carnforth, uh, mm-hmm. which is just outside of Cumbria on the Cumbria-Lancaster border. We'll um, adopt them for this. Well, there is a shot. I mean, it's a very loose connection with Cumbria, but we might, <laughs> might as well get on it now. But there's a scene where they declare love for each other and they go back there on their sort of last date to a bridge, and that's bridges in Ambleside. Oh, is it? So like there is the so Cumbrian connection. Oh, that's really cute. I didn't know that. <laughs> so yeah, you've got this this train station idea where the opening scene, you know by the way they're looking, there's something wrong. Oh God, yeah. They, they play guilt very well. Um, and she leaves the, the train station. Something happens when a, a brash woman comes along. Mm-hmm. Um, she gets home deals with her children and sits with her husband. And when she sits down, she starts to go through and confess her relationship, which has just ended with Alec, Mm -hmm. to her husband. Obviously, this is done in her mind. It's done with voiceover. It's done with... In a monologue. In a monologuing, yeah. So it's she's bearing her soul whilst her husband's doing the the Times crossword. Mm -hmm. And... There's a part, well, there's, there's, a, there's a theory out there. There's a, there's a screenwriting guru called Robert McKee, and he has this rule where people shouldn't use voiceover. People shouldn't use it within their films because he finds it's lazy. Now, sometimes, yes, that can be the, the case, but when it's used like this and it's used in a confessional style, mm-hmm. but we get to understand her reasonings but not only her reasonings because we understand that she loves Alec but the guilt and the torment yeah and that bit of sweetness of the relationship through her voiceover and how she's ashamed of herself but she's I don't think she regrets it no I don't think she does and like I can understand saying oh don't use voiceovers because sometimes they can be used to push the story along I felt in this, it kind of set it up. It was like you understood maybe things because she, she's sitting like in public places and she's very proper mm. and she's like, I don't want to break down. This is why I've upset. So you get the inner monologue that way. Um, I was actually very surprised that you picked this film. Right. It's a very romantic film. It is. And you don't want to shame you. You can be a very romantic man. Ooh. Very nice. I've received flowers several times at work. Very sweet. 
you are not normally a romantic film guy. So I was very surprised because this went literally not to a hundred in romantic films. Absolutely. And with this, I very much felt like it was it was the, the teenage infatuation, the teenage love. Everything was incredibly heightened. They only met like five times. It, it was, it but was the middle aged. The thing is, that's the whole part. Is like they, they have that, but they're, they're both middle aged people. Yes. And I think it's when dealing with that, especially in the movie, it's being middle class, being middle aged, and being wrapped up in this controversy. <clears throat> will we say controversial? And it delves into that psyche and those arguments mm-hmm. and it doesn't necessarily answer them because you can't answer them you can't really answer the reasons why these two people wanted and felt th- why they wanted to cheat on their other halves because life doesn't have those sorts of answers it's very grey i see i don't think they actually wanted to cheat i think it was more of circumstance mm. and then being completely caught up and it just happening yes um that doesn't mean to say i support it i don't think it was very good um but you but see yeah. you, you can see how that sort of stuff could happen and could yes. escalate because you see that growing love between them mm-hmm. and none of them are really wanting to to properly stop it no so, yeah, it, it's somebody pushing someone down a hill, doing a slow tumble and getting quicker and quicker and quicker before it's out of control. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, but what I, I also like about this movie as well is the main setting is the train station. Yeah, which I quite liked. Uh, and, it do, yeah, it looks lovely. When, when trains go, it's photography and smoke and moonlight, it's it's kitty litter for, mm-hmm. for anything visual. But... The fact that they're both getting trains, different trains, it always gives that sense of urgency mm-hmm. to their their meetings and, and to the, the romance. It's like, okay, we've got to get that train in. But one, I mean, when we were watching the film, you were mentioning how you, for some reason, have like a yearning for that era. I do. I the love simplicity it. of it and everything like that. I do. I am completely addicted to my phone, but I would love to go back to a time where you didn't have them. I love the simplicity, yeah, like the simplicity of it all. I love the, it's, it's like, I love the clothes. The clothes are so plain, but I love the clothes. Mm. Everything just looks and fits better. Yeah. I do. I just, I really like it. And so it was always just a case of, right, well, it, it, it for me, it. yeah, it's, so were you yearn for that? When I watch films like this, I yearn that everything was filmed in black and white <laughs> because there's something when it's done well and it's lit like brief encounter is lit mm-hmm. it it looks better it does it looks amazing it looks that is cinema for me it's understanding not just color but just all that it was shared yes and you can make people look incredible and you can make people look eerie because there's a quite a, a noirish feel to this. Mm-hmm. There's lots of shadows and dark corners and, and brightness in places. But it's also, we're talking about this, it seems quite serious and it is a serious movie, but it does have some moments of laughter and, and comedy. It's very British comedy. It's very, yeah, very dry. proper dry comedy. But you play this cursed relationship and promiscuity 
alongside the not not conductor but the the sort of the train station manager he and the t- he was the ticket collector it said so on his hat okay he was a ticket collector and the refreshment lady TV and lady. it's sort of that with the way that plays out and it's like okay well they're obviously probably not together but oh no did they get no. together at a weekend or i well because i i think they're together do you i think they're together i think i think she's he's her little bit on the side she mentioned her husband a couple of times. So therefore, what we're playing again with there is two different stories. We're playing with the middle class mm-hmm. and the the way it's the frowned upon. And not only say is is the ticket collector, I think it's Albert and Myrtle. Yeah. Um, but the working class and how it's seen as cheeky, cheeky, wink, wink. Yeah, but also like. They're way more relaxed. They've also been getting away with it for a lot longer. Maybe. But yeah. A slap on the bum. That's it. She spills her cakes everywhere. But yeah, I mean, Brief Encounter, I mean, in, in, I don't want to say in fiction because I could talk about this film in, for hours, but I love, and this is probably the biggest strength of the movie, is when we recontextualize that first scene. Mm-hmm. So we see it kind of from the outside at the beginning but from the inside at the end and the heartbreak that goes into it it's a touch of the shoulder is enough to sort of bring a tear to your eye and it's sort of like that that's the goodbye and there's a film by Wong Kar Wai called In the Mood for Love which harkens back to this it's that yes this was controversial at the time but they don't have sex no even though they, 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 have a of they have a couple of kisses, she makes a decision to do that, but they get interrupted. And that that scene with Steve, his friend, is so slimy, and you Ugh. can feel like Alec is. I mean, hates him, but he's using him for the need of that room. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that final scene where you see it from the inside, and just when the lady comes in and ruins everything, you feel like screaming. And then when after Ike's left and you've got the woman yappering on, because it's a very proper film, it's shot simply. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't have anything flashy until that scene when no. when you have outside. that anger. Well, well, you firstly have the, the, the train going faster and faster and the score coming up, but when the camera just tilts to that Dutch angle yes. and comes in, yeah. it's so shocking towards the style, but it's... That is like descending a madness. And then when you go outside and yeah, and, and you have that suicidal moment, it just turns more and more and just yeah, beautiful. And that is what you can do with with film. You you, you tell that mental turmoil with a camera. Mm-hmm. You don't need dialogue. You don't need any sort of exposition. Just use your techniques. But yeah, brief encounter is a wonderful movie. I mean, David Lee went on to make better movies, but. This is still considered one of his classics. I think it's good for like a little romantic night in. Get yourself a bottle of wine. Yeah. Some minstrels. <laughs> the most minstrels. romantic chocolate I know. <laughs> Actually, I'm not a fan of minstrels, really. What's wrong with you? Well, I like I, I love a minstrel. But tell me you're wrong, I'd, I'd rather have a peanut M&M. No. But I do like a minstrel. Get yourself a bottle of wine. Um... Some sort of nice chocolate. 
get yourself both a bag of chocolate. Yes. We don't share in this house. And sit down and relax. And it's a nice film. Got to give a shout out to her husband, Fred. He seems like a lovely man. Yeah. He actually really seems to care. Yeah, he's not great at listening when he's doing the Times cross crossword. But I've tried to do the Times crossword before and it's it's damn hard. But that's it. And I, I, that's what, what I like about this too is because if this film was made now... He would be demonised. He would be, he would be written to give the actions of Laura credence Reason, yeah. and reasoning and said, okay, that's why she's doing it. And we will probably get a scene where... Alex's wife comes looking for her in the mm-hmm. town and trying to up the drama falsely, whereas the drama is between the relationship. This seems, apart from the escalation in the relationship in, in such a short time, mm. this seems like a more realistic yeah. type of romantic film. Yes. I find this a lot more realistic. I really liked it. thought it was really good. Cool. I think we should... Then, now, head on to With Neil and I. Yay! CS3P Combat! Player one, choose your character. Tired of film and television podcasts where the hosts exist in a blissful state of agreement? Player two, choose your character. While you're in luck. Punter. Round one, fight! Allow me to introduce you to the Chinstroker vs. Punter podcast. Featuring two film and television fans from Birmingham, England, who enjoy their media in very different ways. But anyway, that brings us to the end of the plot of Blue Velvet. The plot. I mean, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. So join us as we catch up on what we've been watching from our own very different perspectives. Double KO. Round two. Fight. You can find us at csvsp.libson.com, also on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, all the places that podcasts can be found. It just really It's isn't. not visually striking. No. I'm just, just getting confirmation. It's just in That's the third time, though. I mean, am I, is this on? One. Cake and tea. Didn't you hear? She said she'd closed. What do you want in here? Cake. What's it got to do with you? I happen to be the proprietor. Now, would you leave? Ah, I'm glad you're the proprietor. I was going to have to have a word with you anyway. We're working on a film up here. Location, see. We might want to do a film in here. You're drunk. Just bring out the tape. Cake and fine wine. If you don't leave, we'll call the police. Balls. We want the finest wines available to humanity. We want them here, and we want them now. Miss Blenner has it. Telephone the police. It's all right. Miss Blenner has it. I'm warning you, if you do, you're fired. We are multi-millionaires. We shall buy this place and fire you immediately. Yes, we'll buy this place, and we'll install a fucking jukebox in here. <laughs> I would all you stiffed up a bit. So, I'm a lot better prepared than I was... Last week, you'll be very pleased to know, except I wrote in my notes, director, runtime and year, and then I didn't fill them in. Bruce Robinson <laughs> directed it, writ it, writ it, and I believe it was 1989 it came out. People, if you like films, marry this man. This is why I'm marrying him. 
looks after me when my shortcomings are <laughs> I forget to write things in my notes. <laughs> Great. I think the runtime also is one hour forty seven minutes. Yeah, it's not like a it's or one not, hour forty nine. It's it's it's, it's only two hours. It's under two hours. Um so it has Paul McGann, who is yes. I. Richard E. Grant, off of Spice World Fame, <laughs> who is with now. Um Richard Griffith. Griffith, I can never see. Griffiths, Richard Griffith, E. Griffiths. Richard E. Griffiths, that too. Um, who plays Uncle Monty. And Ralph Brown mm. plays Danny, who I have seen before. And he's in Wayne's World 2. Yes. He's in Wayne's World Play, 2. He plays that same character. He plays the exact same character. In where I've, I think I've seen him in a couple of films and he just he just plays this guy. But I love, I love his sort of acting... Is droll, yeah, Birmingham style sort love of it. voice. Absolutely love it. You hear that voice, and you know that it's Ralph Brown. Yeah, which is great. So it follows two out of work actors with nail, um, and then the narrator, who is just known as I. Um, he never actually gets a name. I think he's got a name in the script, but it was he never. never it's never said on screen. So, yeah, and um, they decide to go on holiday to get away from London um, to try and just just get out of everything. Yeah. Um, so what they decide to do is they go and they see um, Withnail's Uncle Monty, because Withnail comes from a family of money, mm-hmm. and they get keys to his lovely little holiday cottage up in Penrith, which is just 20 miles down the road from where we are. It is. I think one thing to add there is they are two struggling actors, but they're also two drug addicts and alcoholics. Raging alcoholics. Which, um, as I mentioned, there is the drinking game. Yes. Have you played the drinking game? No. There is two drinking games. One, which is the sensible drinking game, which is you drink when they drink. Right. Which, you know... It, it's pretty sensible. They do drink a lot. Yeah. The other one is you drink what they drink. And since at one point they drink... Lighter fluid. Lighter fluid. Yeah, don't do that game. Don't do that game. Though apparently some people did do it in uni. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, they go off to Penrith. Um, they stay in Uncle Monty's and... Um, well, the thing is... That's, that's the story. This, there isn't much plot in With Neil and I. It's not a film about plot. No, it's not. So therefore, trying to explain what happened is irrelevant because that's not what that's not what the film's about. The film's, the film's about, about With Neil and I. It's about the, the relationship and it's it's about... For me, again, I think, I always say, it is a love story. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely a it's love a story as well. It's a strange love story. Yeah, but it's those two have that connection... They are yeah, like the little married couple. They are a married couple. Yeah. But I always thought of Withnail as being like the devil on I's shoulder. He's like the id. He has to have a drink. He has to eat. He has to be comfortable. Mm. He can't put up with any discomfort. If he does, he goes and have a, has a paddy. He's not happy. But like where they live is absolute squalor. But it's yeah. squalor because they can't be bothered to clean the place. And that's one thing I love about this movie as well. The set design. Oh yeah, it's really Could, good. That and it, it's filled with stuff because they came from well-to-do families. It's filled with stuff. It's like antiques, yeah, and would be worth a lot of money. But they're just like, oh, that's like 
rubbish to us. It's like, well, to a normal person, that's not rubbish. That's actually quite good. Mm. And it's set in the 60s as well, set in 1969. Yes. So it, it, it is a period piece in a way. Mm-hmm. I, I, have, I saw this film quite late on in my teens and it really stuck with me. Um, it, it is beautiful. The way it's shot mm. is absolutely beautiful. It's, if, if you've never been to Cumbria, okay, it, it's a bit cold. It rains a lot. Yep. Um, but it is gorgeous. Like we can literally leave our house in the city and in 15 minutes be in countryside yeah. and just have mountains and green and animals. And it's beautiful. And I feel like although it rains constantly throughout this film, which is very accurate for the time of year that it's set, it's still beautiful. You still get the lake. You still get the beautiful rolling hills and mountains. You still get the absolute wonder of the outdoors. Yeah. Which I I think is great to be able to show we're in a place of amazing natural beauty. And, but, but it's not perfect. Yeah. We still have alcoholics and everything so these are but you get two people from the center of london because they live in camden yeah and you plonk them in the middle of penrith but it's 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 not even penrith they actually filmed it in shap which is no offense to anybody from shap as you're well aware there's still barely a bus that leaves (laughs) from shap so it is the middle of there's nothing in shap they actually used to hold prisoners of war in the in the hotel up there because there's nothing around so they could escape and be just be stuck in a field but the, and that's it though they're going hold the thing is yes it's it's cumbria but they don't really show cumbria in a nice light they don't it's, it's they have rains. an absolutely awful time here <laughs> yeah because they have no food and well, they have no booze and they have no drugs and they don't know how to function they don't, because they don't know how to light a fire that's it Whereas, but you see them walking, like when they're out walking with Uncle, when Uncle Monty comes up to Cumbria and he takes them out walking and he prepares these beautiful big feasts and everything. And then you, you see it is, it shows it a bit better, but they're very much just concerned of signing on, getting their money, just drinking as much as possible, especially yeah. if you're with Nail. He just, you, as soon as he gets up to Cumbria, he, you don't see him without a bottle clamped to his yeah. mouth. Do you know what I think about this movie? What? It it all comes down to one thing, really, and that's Richard E. Grant. Love him. He is a force in this movie, and this was his calling card. And to be honest, it's still his calling card now. It is. Because he, he still gets jobs from it. Um, although, to be that's honest, he job. still gets jobs. Yeah, but he got uh, the job in... Oh, what was what's the film called that was released last year, which got him an Oscar nomination? Um, can you ever forgive me? Mm-hmm. He got that from being in Spice World. Love Spice World. That's gonna that's gonna be our film next week. <laughs> I think my mum still has it on tape for me. <laughs> but the, this is still when when you think of Richard E. Grant, you go back to him playing with Neil. Yes, he's uh, basically the same character. He is. Yeah, he's like um, who's the other guy? Who's the same character? Who I love. Was in the boat that rocked. Bill Nye. Bill Nye. Bill Nye and Richard E. Grant are the same character throughout, just maybe a bit drunker in yeah. some roles. That's it. They are the same person throughout everything. Posh, 
eccentric. Love them. There used to be an advert, I think maybe in the late 90s, early 2000s. Oh, I'm too young to know about that. <laughs> and it was, <laughs> it was an anti-drugs advert and it was a guy with brains in a frying pan and he was frying up his brains and that is this movie because it's one of those it's it's a comedy it's a very dark comedy comedy, first and foremost but it is a comedy but it's a tragedy as well but the difference between comedy and tragedy the membrane between both of them is so thin Mm -hmm. and it's yeah i do like being in the company of these two people because that's all you are for the entire movie yeah but they're entirely dislikable people. Eyes mm, not as bad, though his terminology hasn't... Yeah, it's some of the terminology. But I'm saying, like, when they go to the tea rooms in Penrith, if you were... In, yes, you we, we find it funny watching it, but if you were in that <laughs> tea room, you'd be like, what a bunch of knobs. Yeah. But... But at the same time, I've been drunk in Penrith plenty of times. <laughs> and let me tell you, it, it probably wouldn't be the worst thing they've ever seen. <laughs> it's true, but it's it's for me. It's the the way they speak, which is a comedic part. It's yes. this film is full of one liners. It's full of memorable scenes because we don't you don't remember the story because you don't care about the story. There isn't one. <laughs> you remember these lines. You remember I can take more drugs than you could. Yeah. You remember Uncle Monty, Richard E. Griffiths in this is a delight. He is a predator, a sexual predator, but yes. he is He's brilliant. a sexual predator with a heart. Yes. Which, it's weird because at points you feel really sorry for him, but at the same time he's also the man who said to I, I will take you now either willingly or by four. Yes. And it's like, okay, you're either going to like rape this poor guy because your nephew has told him, told you that he's gay, but yet he's never given you the come on mm. in any way. Um, but then you write him this beautiful letter and you feel quite sorry for him. Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's such a strange film because like sort of tonally, it's all over the place, but it works mm-hmm. because... It's a manic movie. And at the same time, I feel like you can look at it and you can be like, okay, yeah, I could imagine somebody like that. Absolutely. And you look at the movie and yeah, it looks good, but it's it's well, it's kind of like ugly beautiful. It is. It's... I find it more realistic. It hasn't tried... Okay, where they are, it's in... I think it's Wet Crag, I think it is. Mm. It's somewhere like... It's 12 miles south of Penrith. It's, um, yeah, in Sharp. It's muddy. It's peeing it down. There's no way that they would, they could try and hide it. So they've just gone, we will just show it in all its natural, awful beauty. We may end up with trench foot by the end yeah. of filming, but we will have shown it. And in that way, I also, that's why I find it beautiful the cottage is rubbish and it's falling to bits. But then you see like little glimmers of the past of like portraits and fancy glasses. None of the glasses match, but they're all super fancy. Yeah, you just yeah. think of all the different things that they will have, parties that they will have had there. And you would have been like, it's like a faded glamour. Mm. 
absolutely. No, it, it is. It's it's a glamour book, probably about thirty years before it, and it's it's dusty and it's dirty, but it still has the it's shine the, of upper class. It's got the heart. Yeah, the heart of upper class. I think it's also they are very reminiscent of the 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 poor upper class, the upper class who are still upper class. But they probably have to go and sign yeah. on on Monday because they mm. haven't got any money to to pay the baker or something. Uh, and, and and another one is I mean we've talked about Richard E. Richard E. Grant and Richard Griffiths, mm-hmm. but Paul McGann is so silently really really good in this movie because he's playing against two big bold personalities. Yes, and he is the the straight man, but it does take a skill to play. That's straight against somebody who is being so flamboyant. Yeah. You've got to have... You can't have two crazily flamboyant characters. Mm. You've got to have somebody, like you said, playing a straight man, even though he's not really that. If you put him against other people, like his paranoia and yeah, everything, yeah. would he would be the flamboyant person. Yeah. But against Withnail and Uncle Monty... He's as normal as they come. Yeah. He's the sane one. <laughs> hey, do you have any favourite scenes or any things that We've you want? We've already discussed it. My favourite scene is in the tea room. Right. I love the tea, like that. And also, what kind of tea room just has cakes sitting out? I want to go to that tea room. <laughs> just have cakes just sitting out ready for you on the table. And then they complain going, but we're, cl- we're closing. Like, yeah, but you've got your cakes out on the table. Don't have your cakes out enticing people in. <laughs> See, yeah, uh, true. I mean, for me, the it's the entire maybe the first twenty minutes when they're just in, in their in their squalor and <laughs> when they're dealing with the idea of cleaning, like cleaning the kitchen yes. and saying that something's living in the sink. It's there's matter in the sink. They're, they're just so high and so paranoid that you want to watch it through your fingers in a way. It's like. You haven't really seen people like this in a film before. Be so sort of out there, yes. but it is it, it it's hilarious. It is. It's great. I definitely think. I feel like um, well, we've got we've got um, a little cousin who'll be heading off to university, um, in September next year. This is going to be on her list of films that she has to watch before she goes. Oh, absolutely. We're going to have to just give her like a big thing. I already gave her like a big list of films that she has to watch in her teens. One of them being Mean Girls, because it's amazing. Um, so we have to give her a load and go, these are the films that you have to watch to get ready for university. And this would be one of them, because I just think that it's one of those ones where it's like a cultural film. People can hark back to it and they can sound a bit clever. That's why it's a huge, I mean, it's a huge cult movie. Yeah. Um, I remember when I was at university, people used to, to bring it to, to parties and things like that. Okay parties did you go to at university well we were film students okay we just bought wine we bought wine too well beer but yeah <laughs> but um do you have any fun facts yes um so ralph brown actually auditioned in character nice for danny but since i've only ever seen him playing that character um i don't think he auditioned in character i just think that's him <laughs> that's just like his whole thing um, Kenneth Branagh was also originally offered the part of I. Really? Yeah. You and I both know this because we desperately tried to get tickets this year. But for anybody interested, you can still 
uh, visit the original Uncle Monty's. Yes. And actually each year they do a little weekend um, where you can go and you can watch with Neil and I there. They set it all up on a big projector. It's a fancy dress. Trying to get tickets is a bugger because um, the only time that we could get tickets, we had a wedding that weekend. So we couldn't, yeah. we couldn't get the tickets. Sorry, cousins. <laughs> we had to go to your wedding instead. But um, if you have a little search for it online, I'm sure you will find it. They released the tickets a couple of, about a month or so yeah. before. It's really hard to get them. Um, and it is fully outside. So if you've never been to Cumbria, dress as though you're going scuba diving. Because it's the middle of summer, but it'll pour down. True, true. And my final fun fact is, as we are Cumbrian, and as we, we have friends who live in Penrith, we've been through to Penrith quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. I used to work in Penrith. The scenes that are set in Penrith always make me giggle. Because it's not Penrith in any way, shape or form. They actually filmed the pub and the tea room is actually in Stony Stratford in Buckinghamshire. Right. So... Well down south. Um, but apparently uh, lots of fans of the film come up to Penrith each year and try and find the tea room. Um, you won't find it. But there's plenty of other really nice... There is. There's lots of nice tea rooms there anyways. And there's a lot of pubs. Yes. So there is. It's Cumbria. You'll, you'll got always a lot of pubs. Always lots of pubs. Lots of local food. But I think this this has been a good week. I think it's the first time in this podcast where, in my opinion, we've we've both chosen two five star movies that what I would call five star movies. Is that because I usually pick a three star, two star, three, three and a half? Okay, I thought you were gonna go three. Yeah, that's pushing it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's two two really in, well. Two culturally relevant classics in their own right, and the two completely different movies. Prepare to be disappointed next week. Yes, and we might as well get onto that. Are, you, are we finished on with Nail and I? We are finished with, with Nail and I. Cool. Next week. Yes. Our subject is. As I look over to Lauren and she looks shocked, singing, "We haven't discussed this. We haven't discussed this. And, um, we have." We're doing nineties teen movies. Oh, we discussed this, but we discussed this on Saturday night, and I'd been out with the boss. <laughs> I'd had several glasses of wine and was dancing around the garden. So yeah, we're going to do nineties teen. We've did the eighties teen movie, but we now thought well, let's take nineties. So we've got that. So if you have any favorite nineties teen movies, please do let us know. You can do so on Twitter on at his film her movie on Instagram at. His Film Her Movie Podcast. Yeah. You can also do it through email at hfhmpodcast at gmail.com. Yes. So please do get in touch. Let us know what you um, love and why do you love these 90s teen comedies. Oh, and I would like to put a request out there. Okay. So um, at the end of October, everybody knows we are married. It's amazing. It's going to be a national holiday. <laughs> um, it's, actually, it's actually the school holidays, which yeah. is why everybody's on holiday. But... Um, I think we should put a little call out there for wedding films for okay. us to watch. Well, there's the standard for weddings and a funeral. True, true. That sort of thing. I would like an unusual wedding film. Right. Well, um, there you go, listeners. There's I, a challenge. Yeah, I'd like I'd like a different wedding film. Something 
like maybe a foreign one, something that we maybe wouldn't have heard of. I'd like a happier one though, please. Okay. Well, there you go. There's a challenge for you. Um, is there anything else that we need to discuss or shall we get out of here? Um, let's get out of here. Cool. Okay. Bye-bye now. Bye.